0: We're talking cord cutting and spectrum auctions on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Tuesday, March 29th, 2016, and joining me via Skype is Motley Fool contributor Dan Klein. Mr. Klein, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Sean?
0: Not too shabby. It's nice to get to hear your voice. I'm used to just editing your content and putting it out for all of our readers on Fool.com. Well, I I appreciate the editing help um, You're Actually, I, I do feel the need to compliment you You're one of my favorite people to edit Because it's always so clean And your insights are always really good So thank you for joining me on the show I think I'm also one of our sillier contributors sometimes So that well, might help know. as well there, there There's a reason we have you around um, How's life in Connecticut before we dive right in here?
1: Well, it's raining and has been for the last two days, but I think uh, perhaps we're only going to get a little bit of snow over the weekend, so it looks like what? the winter has ended.
0: All right, I'm not going to complain about the, the crazy <laughs> winds here in the nation's capital right now. Um, so, diving right in, since I have you on the line, um, for those of our listeners who do not know, um, not only is uh, Dan Klein a prolific writer about um, all things, I don't know, cord-cuttery or cable-y, I don't even know what we want to call it right now. Um, But he also uh, regularly writes about uh, what's going on in the wireless industry with AT&T and Verizon and T-Mobile and all that stuff. Um, I don't think I've done a really good – I'm excited for their second half. I don't think I've done a good Spectrum show since I did the tech show with um, uh, Nathan Hamilton like over a year ago. So I'm really, really excited for that. Uh, it's hard to make spectrum interesting. It's we're we're gonna try, darn it. Um, <laughs> so before we get to that, though, I wanted to get your thoughts on what's going on in cable lately. Um, so can you give our listeners just a quick update on what you see going on with the trend towards just content being king and cord cutting and all that?
1: Sure. For a while, everyone just assumed the sky was falling. I mean, we saw it in the music industry. Once digital started, that was the end of the traditional model. So it made sense. You could get Netflix, and then. Everybody is going to cut the cord. The reality is, though, it didn't really happen. In 2013, you had about 100,000 cord cutters. 2014, you had uh, 150, and then last year, where it looked like the numbers were going to explode based on the first three quarters, they actually came back to earth and finished the year at only about 385,000.
0: And this is but, out of how many tens of millions? I mean, that's this out is out of nothing.
1: 94 million. Yeah. So it's it's a trickle. You know, it, it's yes, it's happening, but it's not necessarily going to be widespread because on some level sure netflix and hulu they offer good programming but they don't offer everything and i've written lots of articles on all these like clever ways using hd antennas you can still get football and all the, the network <laughs> stuff but do you want to switch between 17 different devices like i like flipping around and you know i'm a frontier customer which i've written about and they've actually made it easier in the other direction they they embed netflix in their cable platform so cord cutting could happen. There's cost incentive for it, but it's not as big as it was. And for all these companies, from an investor point of view, any losses they have in customers from a cable side, they're more than making up on the broadband side, because right. if you're going to get Netflix, you're not going to go with a cheap internet connection. You're going to go with high quality. And there were about 3.1 million broadband gains last year.
0: The, um, and that's exactly right. I recently wrote a piece, um, I think it ran on March 20th, and I, you know, I titled it, Your Best Bet to Profit from the Death of Cable. And I actually, it was actually about stars, and how I, I like the valuation compared to... Um, scripts or whatever. It's just slightly cheaper. But I start off, the first third of this piece is actually, just so everybody knows, I actually don't think Comcast is up the creek without a paddle. I think Comcast, Cablevision, and Charter, they're going to be fine. And then I just talk about um, what's going on with Comcast in Southern D.C. here. Um, I I I do bare bones just because I'm you know at the office a lot writing writing and everything and our needs are very small. But even like the basic cable package with uh, I'm sorry internet package the broadband that you're referring to with no cable channels whatsoever is forty dollars and that's for three megabits per second. And just ten dollars more gets you ten, and it's like, okay, fine, take yeah, my money. And
1: the, they're they're being very clever. For and I'm a little bit older than you, I think. So you know, my generation, I'm 42. We've always had cable, so the odds that we're going to get rid of it if financially we don't have to are relatively small. Right. For some of the the people in their 20s and 30s, well, you've never had cable. You've stolen mom and dad's HBO password. How did you so know that? No, I'm just kidding. You're <laughs> used to you know you're somewhat used to doing without. And I think that's where the tipping point is gonna be on cord cutting. You know, as cable, can I subtly make it attractive that, hey, for maybe seventy dollars, not only are you gonna get a great broadband connection, but you're gonna get ESPN and you know, thirty-five forty top channel right. spike, TBS, TNT, some of that kind of stuff, and sort of ease you into cable. And then when you have kids when, you know, when when the millennials grow up, and I know you're a little older than that, when the millennials grow up, they'll you know, the kids will want Disney Channel, and then all of a sudden they'll be back into this one hundred and thirty channel universe. And I think that's just as likely to happen as the idea that you know we're all going to go well. We can spend thirty dollars instead of one hundred and fifty and just have just have streaming services. Right?
0: Yeah, and it. I do think it has to be said though: the days of the three or four hundred channel cable packages are probably over. But anyway.
1: Well, the economics on some of those channels, which I've written about, just isn't going to make sense. You know, if you're not getting paid a carriage fee and thirty thousand people are watching, you know, VH1 Soul at any given point, <laughs> that that's going to disappear. I think VH1 Soul is real. I may have just made that up, but I'm pretty sure. That's ESPN an actual ate the Ocho. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, I mean, ESPN maybe could pull it off because right. all of their they're, channels. They're the actually- one. Yeah. You know, there's a couple hundred thousand people watching whatever they call ESPN Classic at any, you know, given time, but there are some channels that essentially have no viewers that are being subsidized, and that's going to go away, but, you know, who's going to miss it? If Palladia disappeared, okay, maybe, like, you know, occasionally you you stop at a concert, but for the most part, you're not going to notice. Awesome.
0: Um, so, while we're talking cable, I also wanted to get your thoughts on a little bit of MA and and uh, what's going on over at Charter and uh, Time Warner Cable. Um, looks like it's been approved. Like what else could happen?
1: Well, it seems like, you know, it always seemed like the FCC was going to say yes. And now it seems like they're going to say yes with the expected conditions, you know. You have to build some capacity for some poor neighborhoods, you have to hold prices in certain areas. Now, as we've seen in the cable space, those conditions are absolutely unenforceable and they've been ignored by companies. <laughs> so, it, th- this isn't you know, a a merger where they're holding a big hammer. They can either say yes or no. And once they say yes, uh, you know, I'm not so sure that last rural mile in, you know, Vermont is going to get the service that, you know, that they've been promised. But, you know, what's interesting is once Time Warner and, you know, and Bright House are off the board, it becomes very tight in that space. And really, there's only a couple of companies out there. I mean, the big prize is is Dish and the problem is Dish is run by Charlie Ergen who doesn't really want to sell his company you know he's not likely to become part of something else and the the rumored play there has always been T-Mobile but the two companies have struggled when it comes to valuation
0: Got it. Okay, cool. Well, before we move on, I wanted to point out to our listeners that April is Financial Literacy Month, and in that spirit, we are giving away 10 books to 10 lucky winners. These books include favorite financial picks from David Gardner, Morgan Housel, and many more. To enter to win, just go to podcasts.fool.com and click on the yellow Super Podcast link at the top of the page. Once again, that is podcasts.fool.com. All right, so Mr. Klein, we're moving on to the coolest, most exciting. <laughs> I'm like bouncing off the walls here. Cannot wait to talk about this. Oh, I'm, wearing uh,
1: my, I'm wearing my Ghost Spectrum Auction, t- auction T-shirt, so you me. are
0: not. I'm going to need a photo of this later. <laughs> Um, but uh, we're talking Spectrum, and really quick, just before we get into uh, what's going on with AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, um, give us a little bit of background on what Spectrum is and kind of the state of the wireless industry right now.
1: So, think of Spectrum as the highway for the wireless business, and data is your your tractor-trailer, your, your three-tier car carrier. So the more data that moves, the more spectrum you need. So to build a good network, you need to keep buying spectrum, you need to use spectrum more effectively. And in the past, the reason Verizon and AT&T have led the way is they've owned the most spectrum. But we're heading into another major spectrum audit auction, which gives some other people chances to either enter the market or to catch up.
0: Got it. Okay. So, what's going on in the industry right now with um, 18V Verizon and T-Mobile? I recently defected from a carrier who shall remain nameless for (laughs) T-Mobile, and this happened about six months ago, and then I brought my parents over. Now, we're all on the same plan with T-Mobile, and... I have no regrets, so what's going I've, on?
1: I've written pretty extensively that I left Sprint for T-Mobile, and the same thing, no regrets because the reality is you know if you look at the the two major surveys, the root metrics and the open signal survey uh, on root metrics, which is probably the more widely reported of the two, a t and T and Verizon are still winning but T-Mobile and to a lesser extent Sprint are making some gains and if you look at it with a an LTE with you know the latest iPhone you're getting a much better service on T-Mobile than you did only a year ago so yes the top is still better But in some ways, you're talking really good versus, you know, you're talking the Patriots. Versus versus totally
0: acceptable in most situations.
1: Yeah, you're talking the difference between the Patriots and the Broncos. Both teams were very good, one win sometimes. Right. So, sure, if you're a traveling salesman who's going to be in all 50 states, then Verizon or AT&T is probably the way to go. If you live in a relatively populated area and only travel to relatively populated areas, T-Mobile is a lot cheaper. And you can see in their numbers that people are starting to get it and, you know, Sure, better matters, but it doesn't matter that much,
0: right? I I quickly realized that I mean I I spend ninety nine percent of my time in the Washington D C metro area. The one time that I noticed a difference with you know my cell signal was when I was in the Motley Fool's garage on the very bottom level. I still had <laughs> signal with Verizon, but I didn't with T Mobile, but. I, who like, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, there's always going to be coverage holes, but uh, T-Mobile is also good about finding ways to help with that. You know, in they have their signal boosters which they provide for free. So if you know maybe they have great coverage in your neighborhood but not your house, you can get one of those. And with the Wi-Fi calling option, you know we have we're in a t-mobile hole in new hampshire we have zero coverage and they they don't pretend it shows up in their map as zero (laughs) coverage but it doesn't matter in my house it's on wi-fi i can check my email i can make a phone call it's really not a problem
0: got it okay well before we move on um to talking about the the sexiest thing out there spectrum um which carriers in your opinion had the best deal just kind of a consumer angle i guess
1: well i i actually wrote about this a few weeks ago and what was T-Mobile's, the title of the article? do you remember i don't remember all fine. um i it, it's it's probably which wireless carrier has the best deal <laughs> um, it's something along those lines, and the answer is it's usually t mobile and sprint um a t and t and Verizon are not price competitive you know everybody is about the same for a phone except you know sometimes you know somebody's running a 2 for 1 or a deal on a phone or if you're willing to go you know you know to an older phone or a refurb but in terms of service plans i think t-mobile's the best deal because you know in addition to to being cheaper than at&t and verizon they have no overages so even if you're not opting for unlimited you could get a relatively cheap you know 1 or 3 gig plan and if you run out of data, you're not being punished for it. And with the, the free video streaming through Binge On and the free audio streaming, you can watch your, your YouTube videos and listen to Pandora or you know, whatever else you like to stream and not be penalized. Sprint is close, but it doesn't offer those same benefits.
0: Awesome, yeah, and actually, I found the article for our listeners that are curious. It is uh, AT and T versus Verizon, which offers consumers a better wireless deal, and it was run was on. Uh, you close, close. <laughs> yeah, and it ran on uh, March fifth, twenty sixteen. Um, all right, so from what I remember, and this is you know the cobwebs of my mind right now. Um, there was one player, I think it was Dish Network, that was buying spectrum at auctions just to have it as like an asset on it, a, like a, just kind of a speculative holding or something.
1: During the last auction. DISH, and I won't get into the, the mechanics of it, but used a bunch of subsidiaries to buy a whole That's bunch right. of Spectrum. Yeah, 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 they yeah. had to give some of it back because it was determined that they were improperly taking discounts, but they still ended up with quite a bit. And there's a couple of plays here. The In theory, DISH could launch a wireless service. That's not very likely. Uh, It would be a great asset if Dish and T-Mobile were to join forces, even if if that was just a business relationship and not an actual merger or acquisition, or... Dish could partner up with with anyone else in the space and b- bring a pretty big asset to the table. So obviously, Dish isn't going to work with AT and T because they own they own Directv, but it would certainly be enticing to Verizon. It would be enticing to Sprint, um, and just resale value. It's a you know they'll they'll make their money back. It's a smart play.
0: Yeah, no, and that's what I got from uh, the conversation back then. Um, so why is this auction different this time? Well,
1: this time the The FCC has looked at and said, how can we open up some auction? So, what they did is they went to television companies. You remember in the old days in your local market, you'd have, you know, Channel 39, and it would be, you know, a clown in the afternoon and Brady Bunch reruns at four o'clock.
0: Yeah, it's like a filler or something.
1: Yeah, those stations still exist, they're still on in cable. And as part of this auction, those channels have the opportunity to sell their spectrum. They could sell their spectrum and just go out of business. And in some local markets, those stations no longer make economic sense. Wow. Or they can sell their spectrum and what the what's going to happen afterwards is all the spectrum that's sold versus all that's left – the technology is better so they can sort of pack channels in to a smaller group of spectrum. So you might have a channel that was in the VHF area moved to UHF, you know. So which would matter if you had an old school TV with a dial. But given the fact that most of these aren't over the air for the most part anyway, it's not really going to affect your viewing experience. So it's kind of a one-time reverse auction where they can take a really valuable asset and turn it into some cash.
0: Got it. Okay. Now, real... Real big questions on the tip of my tongue here. Why the heck is Comcast in this thing? Because they
1: just <laughs> Be, because Comcast is probably going to to look at much like cablevision did is offering wireless phone service that's primarily Wi Fi based. And if they own oh, it's
0: sp- part of the cable packages and all that because they offer the yeah. landline, right?
1: Yeah, they they do and and. But if they offer a primarily Wi-Fi-based phone, and Cablevision does it really just regionally, where they have a, a concentration, if Cablevision owns Spectrum, they could either leverage that Spectrum in a partnership with one of the carriers, so they could say, hey, why don't you use our Spectrum, but we want a good rate on when we have to use your Spectrum, or it's just a... You know, it's it's a way for they can say, well, geesh, we have great coverage in these markets, but we've got nothing in Chicago. But hey, we just bought some Spectrum in Chicago. We'll offer traditional service to supplement our Wi-Fi in that market. Got it.
0: Cool. All right. Well, Mr. Klein, that is it for us. I cannot thank you enough for uh, joining us on the air today. Oh, Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Stay warm. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at fool.com. Again, that's fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Dan Klein, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!